Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. McDaniel will end it in style. Arkansas is in hog heaven. They've won the first ever national championship. You're still missing your free throws, Wes? Who cares? They don't show free throws in Sports Center. Here's Washington. On the drive. I don't know if he'll make any change, but I figure it's time for me to start playing ball. And they do it in stunning fashion. Over the number two team in the country. Back is I missed this shot. I walk away. I'm still a chump. You're listening to the Halftime Podcast. Lots to get to today. And before we got on the air, about an hour ago, just this crazy story broke uh, involving an alleged college cheating scam uh, with fake athletic profiles uh, being uh, given to college coaches, which some of these coaches actually, the coaches that are being implicated uh, in this scandal, knew exactly that the uh, the so-called student athletes were not really athletes that could play or at the Division One level or really even play a sport. It's just some crazy stuff that also involves two well-known actresses, Felicity Huffman, a uh, former star of Desperate Housewives, and a uh, Academy Award nominee Lori Laughlin, which I think will break your heart tie, and Becky, and, and my heart too. I mean, I know I know Lori Laughlin from movies in the '80s and Full House, and of course Fuller House too. It's a crazy story uh, that that involves uh, parents with me, well, obviously a lot too much money, uh, kids uh, that don't deserve uh, athletic scholarships or even a spot on teams. Uh, and 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 just an incredible amount of uh, of information that's coming out all at once. So it's really difficult to wrap your mind around. So it's really it's kind of crazy. It's crazy stuff. But apparently there are athletic coaches at Yale University, Stanford, Southern California, Wake Forest, and Georgetown, amongst others, that are implicated in the case. I haven't seen any of the names yet, but apparently. Uh, this even involves where the uh, where the, the the coaches knew that there were staged photos of these kids supposedly taking part in high school athletics, and then there's the an SAT cheating scandal that goes into it, grade cheating scandal that goes into it too. It's it's mind blowing, but it just man, I mean, every time you think you've seen something that is crazy involving college sports and i mean we've got this athletic scandal involving the shoe companies and uh and and college basketball coaches of course you got will wade now uh at lsu uh who is who has been suspended for the foreseeable future and then this here i mean this is just it's mind-blowing it's it's national it's crazy and uh and it's something that I think we uh, will we'll definitely get into again. The, the details are just now coming out, so uh, there, there's not you know all that much more information that we can that we can give. But uh, it's coming from uh, from uh, the uh, Justice Department in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, paperwork filed Monday in federal court in Massachusetts, and it's uh, it's crazy. You know, I'd seen a story tie. This was what uh, about two or three weeks ago uh, out of Tennessee, which involved a fake uh, a fake profile for a supposed three-star recruit an offensive lineman who was who, who apparently was supposed to be getting looks from a lot of uh, other schools in Tennessee started looking to him and some other schools started looking into him and it turned out that this kid who had was an offensive lineman at a school was actually like the last kid on the bench but he and his friends thought that it would be a lot of fun to build a fake profile that rivals bought into that 24/7 sports bought into and they start getting calls from coaches they didn't expect that to happen so uh, that that's not that wasn't a scandal. Nobody necessarily got you know in trouble as far as that was concerned. It's more just, humorous of anything. Yeah, it was more humorous, and they you know more just I think got embarrassed than anything else. Uh, but this, I mean, this story that's coming out today, it's nationwide. It's involving millions of dollars paid to uh, a fraud by the name of William Rick Singer. Uh, who is the founder of a for-profit college counseling and preparation business known as The Key. And uh, apparently he he got upwards of about $25 million wow. from parents t- to 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 uh, you know deal with these athletic coaches and and convince them that these kids uh, belonged on campus. The coaches got paid as well from Mr. Singer. It's just it's 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 absolutely shocking stuff. Uh, it came out about an hour ago, so this wasn't this wasn't on our rundown. This wasn't anything we were going to be getting into. But I, I mean, it's it's something you got to at least 
bring out here on ESPN Arkansas. And there's no doubt this is going to be the biggest story, I think, right now in college sports off the court, off the field, so to speak. But it's going to filter into whatever's going on in the field and the court as well. Because I think it also involves, if I read correctly, an administrator from the University of Southern California. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what sports a lot of these coaches that are going to be indicted uh, were the coaches of. I do know they were talking about the Yale soccer coach that accepted $400,000 uh, to uh, basically get this kid to come to school, a soccer player who wasn't a soccer player, uh, you know, in, in the Ivy League, you don't get, there aren't athletic scholarships, but you can still, you know, you can still find a way to get a kid accepted to school if he or she is talented at that sport, and then they'll pay their way on. Uh, but they might not necessarily, you know, would have been accepted academically, but they will be accepted in an athletic sense. Um, it's shocking, really amazing. So, uh, so I, I don't know, Ty, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe if our parents were a little bit richer, uh, we could have, uh, I don't know, I could have uh, maybe walked onto the football team at Indiana University. Maybe you could have made it to uh, the basketball team at Indiana. What do you think? If you, or at, uh, at Arkansas. What do you think if the parents had enough money and enough influence and they knew Mr. Singer, they'd be able to come up with a fake profile? Although you played the sport. I mean, so they wouldn't have to stage the photos. You actually had the photos, maybe just not the, you know, $1.3 million that it would have taken to get you uh, to get you accepted there. They'd have to stage the playing time and the, the points production because I simply didn't have that in high school. I think I played like five minutes junior year in high school basketball. I, 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 I didn't get decent in basketball field until I got to college, so there would have been quite a charade that they would have had to present to Mike Anderson to get me on scholarship to play at the U of A. It would have been... It would have been something that they would have had to pull off. So, but this is wild, man. Like, and I'm, I'm, I'm. What I always do is after the morning rush, I go in there and I'm basically throwing some edits on rundown, getting the sound for our show, and I see this pop up and I see Lori Laughlin, yeah. and I'm just like, what? And and I go in. I I don't. I haven't read as much details as you have concerning this story, but it's it's it hit the timeline and it is blowing up everywhere. Phil, like you said, it's the biggest story in college sports right now apparently the plot involves students who were attended who attended or were seeking to attend uh georgetown stanford ucla university of san diego texas wake forest and yale now there's no indication according to the reports that i'm reading that the schools were involved in any of the wrongdoing it was the coaches that then convinced administrators (laughs) and maybe one administrator if i read correctly from southern california uh, but then I, I'm not even really sure how Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughman got involved in this. I think they end up on the grade cheating end of it, the SAT end of it. But um, when you when you mix Hollywood together with this and then recruiting scandals, uh, it's and th- this doesn't have anything to do like what you're seeing at LSU. You know, trying to get the best players the to come pro. to campus, and mm-hmm. so you you know you're forking out uh, you know a hundred a few hundred thousand dollars in a house. And and uh, an attractor for the friends of the, from the friends of the program. Uh, this Which is whole, this this is different. This is involving kids who who probably don't deserve to academically be accepted to these uh, to these uh, uh, to these schools. I mean, when you're talking about pretty difficult schools to get into, Georgetown's tough, Stanford's tough, UCLA is tough, UC, USD is tough, USC, Texas, Wake Forest, and Yale. These are top notch schools. Uh, but when you've got enough money and you want to set your kid up in a certain way to to succeed in life, and the best that they would have been able to get into is I don't know, you know community college of, of wherever, uh, or just the local state school, and there's nothing wrong with those schools. But when you when you when you when you come from the way upper class, I mean the crust of the upper crust, they, they're looking it's status. It's a status that goes along with it, and they also know. Look, when you go to one of those universities. If you get a degree from one of those universities, you're set up in a way with major corporations, uh, with, uh, with, with, with job seekers that are, that are looking for people with those degrees, uh, that you're set up in a way that, that most of us just aren't. Yeah. Uh, but they wouldn't have gotten in if they did not have the quote unquote athletic skills or the grade scores or the test scores. And apparently they didn't, but they had the money to make it look like they had all of that. It's the prestige that you receive once you graduate that people just assume you're the best of the best in your specific field. 
and actually, I, I know that our, like University of Arkansas, yes, I take pride in having gone to school there, but Arkansas actually has a really good business school. Their graduate school, Phil, when I was there, had the number one acceptance rate into a job right out of college out of all public schools, which is a really good achievement for the business school. I, I can't speak, and I had a great experience with the journalism department, but I can't speak to them winning as many awards as the business school at the U of A, but it doesn't compare to Harvard. Yale, Stanford, and some of the schools that you just lifted. It's just not in the same category. As much as Arkansans wish and think it's kind of in the same, it's not the same. No, it's, it, This is nuts. This is just nuts. So I guess it's something we'll be talking about uh, in the coming days and weeks because I think this is going to be one of the big national stories, not just for uh, for sports because ESPN is reporting on this, but I'm talking about just uh, academics overall. This is a national story, yeah. and it involves sports in a way that I didn't expect it to uh, to ever be involved because, I mean, this FBI scandal, this FBI uh, wiretap scandal that has ensnared so many of the basketball programs, uh, that still is, you know, there's still things coming out about that, pieces and pieces of it, so that also is it's a completely separate deal. Wow, just amazing stuff. All right, now football why not uh because spring why, not? Pra- why not spring practice is going on and uh they were able to uh they were able to be outside uh, the last couple of days since it finally wasn't raining uh up there in Fayetteville and it just seems that uh, injuries are starting to pile up I guess I don't know if this is something that is normal uh when when the guys aren't quite used to you know, the contact uh, for you know a, a couple of months, and then you get back onto the field, and you're starting to have contact that that some of these injuries uh, will start popping up. But you can uh, speak to this after not running for a while, and then you run, and then you hurt your knees. Oh right? goodness, yeah, personal I mean, experience. And that was without anybody trying to knock me down. <laughs> that was just testing 42 year old knees. But uh, I mean, you had Raheem Boyd out with uh, that was a foot injury. You've got Shane Clennon uh, now out for the entire spring with. Another foot injury. These foot injuries just, just stacking up. up. Yeah. You wonder if that's contact or not, because usually you're not getting tackled around the foot necessarily. Uh, Grayson Gunner had a boot on. Uh, Dion Edwards had one of those green no contact jerseys. I kind of wonder about the colors of the jerseys. What isn't there? There's a yellow jersey. There's a red jersey. There's a green jersey. And usually green means go, red means stop, yellow means caution. Not but football. it seems to me that all of this means caution. Every different color that's out there, if it's not the usual, what are they usually wearing black black jerseys? Then, then if it's not a black jersey, it just means caution. Hold up a moment and don't smack this guy. How about Austin Caps being out yesterday because of a class conflict? We don't just care about practice at the University of Arkansas. We put the student part of student athletes first. I'm sure Chad Morris and the and Dustin Fry and the football staff will get that class conflict worked out. I'm kind of curious what that detail entailed because how many times have you ever asked a coach, hey, where does this kid at practice say, oh, he had a class conflict? How many times have you heard a coach say that at an SEC football school? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I've ever heard a coach say that. Maybe maybe get a blue jersey to go to to go to class with, yeah. you know, so that they know you're supposed to be at spring practice, right? And they're supposed to be over there at the at the football stadium, but you're in class instead. So let the teacher know exactly what's going on. It's a blue, uh, it's a blue jersey, uh, which means don't call on that kid because his mind is actually somewhere else. And just to show how impactful these injuries have been, I know everyone knows that Scooter Harris is out for spring, and the linebacker depth is an issue, but also running back, Phil. Hayden Johnson, a tight end and fullback, is having to play essentially second team slash whatever scout team running back yesterday behind Chase Hayden. Like that, you don't see that, and that's and that's good for Chase Hayden that he's getting all these reps and he's able to go through spring. But what happens if he gets injured, man? You don't have anybody until Monte Spivey gets here in the summer. Like anyone on the roster that's worthy of playing in the SEC at the running back position. So That's scary as, stuff for Chad Morris. As far as scholarship running backs go right now, you're down to, to, to Chase Hayden, and that's it? Because your Rakeem Boyd's gone. Devil Whaley's out. There he was. Excuse me. I don't, I don't want to scare people. Devil Whaley was out yesterday. He's supposed to be okay by Wednesday. Um, you, mi- you miss Malik Williams is gone. You have TJ Hammonds. We don't know what the deal with him is. So that's... I might be missing one other guy as Spivey's supposed to get here in the summer. But yeah, like that, that's an issue. 
I'm sure we're going to get to talk to Nikki Chavnell about that a little bit, but that's scary situation, especially when you have to be able to run the football in the SEC. It's not just about the offensive line that we harped on time and time and again last year. You don't have an RB. <laughs> if you don't have depth there, you're screwed. I mean, and, and, and for a while, we even talked about the idea, it's still all right, Rakeem Boyd is out. You know he's going to get most of the carries during the regular season, so maybe it's a good thing for some of the others to start getting reps because Rakeem seems to know the offense pretty well. You still need other guys that you know will eventually get on the field during the season. Yeah. You don't want to be you don't be, want to be turning to the walk-ons during spring practice. Uh, who knows if they can slip through the holes that are actually opened from the uh, healthy offensive linemen that are left right now. And Devois was wearing the yellow jersey yesterday, and so was uh, Jordan Curtis, who's the one guy that I was forgetting that switched over from the defense. So you didn't have any outside of Chase Hayden and Hayden Johnson, who is a fullback and tight end that played running back yesterday. You did not have a single scholarship running back that was going through full contact yesterday in practice. Can I ask Nikki about the color code of these of these jerseys? Please do. I'm is just it, as confused as you are. It's I, intriguing me. Is it done position by position? Is it done, you know, the amount of contact? Are you allowed to put your hands on somebody? Is it because somebody, uh, you know, is sick rather than 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 hurt? So she ought to know. I think yeah. uh, that's definitely something I got to bring up with Nikki because. Uh, we got to know our colors. We got to know our colors if we're going to talk about this stuff in the proper way. I guess I should have looked it up before we got you're going. You're good, man. We're 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 learning on the fly here. You're you're a baseball guy, and I'm not anything, so we're both learning on the fly. So here's what uh, Chad Morris he gave the injury update, really like a minute or two of the press conference. It's not just the running backs that they're missing out on. Here's him on the depth and the injuries that went after practice yesterday. I do got a few injuries to update you on. Shane Clinton is out. Will be out for the rest of spring with a foot injury. Devil Whaley was out today. We expect him to be back Wednesday. Um, Jordan Curtis uh, will be back on Wednesday. Did not practice today. Miles Mason, we anticipate him being back uh, Wednesday or if not on Tuesday after spring break. And then Grayson Gunner should be back on Wednesday as well. Those guys did not practice today. Mason's a safety. Gunner's a tight end. So there's the other two that he listed there, Phil. Uh, I also so here's a good thing. Trey Knox is apparently showing out, yeah. and maybe maybe that was expected. Out of all of the recruits coming in uh, for this Harold recruiting class for Chad Morris, I think that Trey Knox is the one that we have heard the most positive things about because of his speed, because of his size, his length, and I didn't even realize he's got giant hands, which of course is is pretty important for a wide receiver. Uh, but you got other freshman wide receivers that are in. Uh, and then the veterans, too. And it seems that Trey Knox is is pushing these kids. And this, you know, it's funny, too, because we had, uh, we had Clint Sterner on last week. And what was the position that Clint said needed the biggest upgrade on the offense? We asked him, was it offensive line? Was it wide receiver? Was it quarterback? And I, I kind of knew the direction he was going in following him during the football season on Twitter. Uh, he, he defended Ty Story more than he defended Cole Kelly. Mm-hmm. And, and I think for, in, in some cases, good reason. And he went specifically with the wide receiving core. But then you, you hear, because you, you had the pro day going on as well for uh, former Razorbacks that are trying to make it into the NFL that weren't there at the Combine. And Jared Cornelius had an interesting quote uh, that, I mean, he's just talking about himself. I don't think he's talking about the rest of the wide receiving core. Uh, but this is, this is the quote from Cornelius. He said, film doesn't lie. Despite what happened this past year, I was still open. I was still winning on my routes. I just wasn't getting the ball. So, I mean, what does that say to you? That says he's blaming wide, he's blaming the quarterbacks. Uh, he's not taking the blame for himself, and he's also not talking about the other wide receivers. He's just talking about why it wasn't the sort of season for him that might have been expected. Yeah, and it's not like Austin Allen and Brandon Allen were like all-American quarterbacks or anything, but they were a lot better than Cole Kelly and Ty Story, Phil, when they when they came in. And with Jared Cornelius, you got to be frustrated. I know there was a couple t- tweets he put up last season and he had to take them down just because he felt like he wasn't getting utilized enough as a wide receiver. But in a sense, Phil, he's right. Like, I have a very good source that told me that one of the reasons that LaMichael Pedway is transferring, and I, I can't remember, I don't think he's decided on the school yet, is because he said, I'm not going to be able to get the ball next year because I don't even want to pass the ball. And that was the leading wide receiver of last year's squad. So 
not only did you really improve the defensive the defensive backfield, not defensive backfield, defensive line. It looks like the wide receivers might be the biggest position upgrade on the team, but hopefully the competition at quarterback. We're just assume that Ben Hicks and Nick Starkle, based on their accolades, based on what they've done in the SEC with Starkle, and then what Hicks done with SMU and Morris, that that position's getting better. Because Cornelius, like you can be certain Arkansas man fans, including Gary in Arkadelphia, called him crybaby Cornelius. But Phil, he has he has a point. Like how many times last year did Ty Story underthrow a post or a go, or how many times did Cole Kelly overthrow a ball? There were just time and time again where you, you thought a quarterback, whether it was Kelly or Story, was going to be able to make a play. Perfect example: A and M game. He underthrows that ball to pick. It just didn't happen for the quarterback position last year. And uh, and then who was the kid who who who, uh, who left early? I mean, I mean, way early in the season. I'm talking and, about and uh, Jonathan Nance. Nance. Yeah, yeah, Nance in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Nance. I mean, he he was he saw what was going on pretty early in the season and was like, "See ya." Played one game, said that's it. And and with the quarterbacks you had, I mean, you could see you could see his reasoning. You could see Petway's reasoning. Uh, things are different right now because. Uh, no matter what we haven't seen about Ben Hicks, uh, about Nick Starkle, the, the upgrade in the quarterback room is noticeable just on, and it's not na- brand name alone, it's on the success that Hicks had at SMU, uh, the fact that everybody we talk to says that the biggest part about Nick Starkle's game is his arm strength and ability to drop the ball into tight windows. You wouldn't have said that about Ty Story. What is the top thing about Ty Story? A little bit of mobility toughness. and toughness, mm-hmm. and that's it. Cole Kelly, big arm, not accurate, couldn't move, uh, and not very good on the short uh, on short routes. So uh, it, it's interesting, too. And you've also got a piece of sound I want you to play about. Chad Moore is talking about the chemistry with these wide receivers. They weren't, you didn't have that chemistry last year. You could point the finger at the quarterbacks, too, because if wide receivers are going to have chemistry, then they're going to have chemistry between themselves and with the quarterbacks, and maybe that's what's going on now. Obviously what Ben Hicks has done in that room and uh, was, was pleased to see some of the decision-making that he had Saturday. Obviously with the wind, it was, was a little bit of a factor Saturday. You know, our quarterbacks did a great job managing that. I think our, our quarterback play is definitely uh, elevating a lot of things right now in, in all areas, and um, I think that they're getting a, a great chemistry with the wide receivers. And I want to add this. I know we're running long on this segment, Phil, but one of the things that Tyler told us this morning during a break is, like, quarterbacks, they're going to get a lot of the accolades. But he mentioned this phrase that I thought was kind of funny. He said, they need some jitterbugs, though, which he referred to, like, Hollywood Brown. He actually uh, referred to your boy Antonio Brown, I guess because they're cousins or whatever. But you got to have playmakers, and there really wasn't any of that last year. And everyone's so hoping Trey Knox, Shamar Nass, TQ Jackson, Traylon Burks, all these guys coming in, Hudson Henry, are going to be the it factors that Joe Adams, Darius Wright, Greg Childs were. It's just a, like <laughs> you're you're almost getting hyped, but it's just spring ball. We still got we still got to wait till was it August last week of August till all this happens, yep. and you're not even going to see it in the first game. You're really going to see it Ole Miss week two. Isn't hype what it's all about right now? Of course, that's what it's all about. Subscribe to Hit That Line on iTunes. You're listening to the Halftime Pod. Blood running through Daryl Macon's veins. The Razorbacks win it 71-70. to uh, Before we get into stuff with the Razorbacks, Nikki, I saw you uh, you mentioned it on on uh, Rivals today and on, uh, on the, the forums you guys have out there. Uh, this... Uh, this uh, case unveiled by the Boston U.S. Attorney's Office is just nuts. We talked about it a little bit in the first segment of the show, and really without knowing a lot of the details, knowing that it seems that there have been some fake, uh, fake, what is it, fake profiles for athletes that weren't athletes in high school to uh, to to get no, not noticed, but just to be admitted onto uh, great schools' campuses. Uh, have you ever heard of, of fake? Profiles being being created for fake athletes before, because that's what stands out to me amongst the incredible amount of money that was going to some of these coaches. Well, when I first looked at the headline of the story, I was thinking, "Oh, this must be, you know, uh, like football or basketball related or whatever," because of all the LSU stuff that we've been dealing with recently. But then I was reading more and more details, and it was just getting crazier and crazier, like. 
apparently they really wanted, you know, these rich people really wanted their kids to go to these, you know, high profile schools. And so they just made them, they just pretended that they were athletes so that they could get in with lower GPAs and lower test scores. And no, I, I hadn't heard of that before. And I guess because the teams, you know, they're the ones that you don't really follow very much, like crew and lacrosse and stuff, or just nationally aren't followed. Uh, no one, I guess, noticed or picked up on it for a while. Uh, it, it, it's pretty crazy and, and honestly funny. I wonder how that's going to be dealt with. Uh, yeah, funny be one way to describe it. Um, embarrassing and insulting would be another way to describe it, too, that these parents feel that the money that they've got is enough to uh, to get kids who don't belong on certain college campuses there. But then again, it's something that's been going on for, you know, for over centuries now because people with money also find ways to uh, to use that money for influence. All right, so let's get yeah. into some of the stuff that we were going to get into usually. Uh, I had a little issue figuring out. We see there's a lot of injuries piling up on uh, on Arkansas, it seems, uh, for spring practice. Uh, you know, thinking uh, Dev Waley, Rakeem Boyd, uh, Shane Clennon, just to name a few. But they, when they come back, they're wearing different colored jerseys. And I don't know what all the, the colors of these jerseys mean. You got yellow, you got green, you got red. Uh, what What is the color code to these jerseys? And I'm sorry to put you on the spot about this, but... You know, you're 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 kind of one of my experts about this. So, do you know what these color codes mean? Yeah. So, green is a non-contact jersey. So, they might just be banged up, and they need kind of a, a more low-key practice. So, they'll still go through drills and stuff, but just at a n- no contact level when they do their live periods. And then a yellow means that they're um, kind of sidelined and, and not participating. They might follow around with their um, position group to just do some mental reps or whatever. But, uh, no, usually they're kind of off in the corner on the bike in the yellows or inside the facility, and we can't even see who's who's wearing the yellow. We kind of have to go down the whole roster and check who's not on the field um, for those yellow jerseys. And a red, uh, I'm not sure if I've noticed a red. I mean, the quarterbacks wear a different color, um, and they're always pretty much not, no contact during practice. So, yep, that's that's the gist of it. And there's there's been quite a few, but it's kind of to be expected after a big scrimmage when, when they're asking them to do a bunch of live plays, and um, a lot of these guys haven't been doing much contact lately. Nikki Chavanel, Rivals.com, our guest here on Halftime. Nikki, what's the latest on Tron Folsom, uh, linebacker out of Troy? Yeah, so, you know, I caught up with him, and he is very excited that he's received some interest from them, but they haven't offered him yet. And uh, he told me that if they were to offer, he would definitely come here. He would think it's a great opportunity for him. But uh, he's a little on the smaller side, and, of course, he hasn't played at uh, the SEC level. He was pretty successful at Troy with some second-team all-conference honors, but that's still not even first team. And um, he graded out okay on Pro Pro Football Focus this past year. Um, But, you know, there's going to be a lot more guys after uh, the spring camp that maybe decide to depart if they feel like they're not going to get the reps they deserve or if they've graduated and have just been waiting to put out that news until the end of the semester. But there's going to be some more guys that enter the portal, so they might just be holding off since they know that they can offer Tron at any time and he'll still be interested. Mickey, you mentioned grades. Who do you think had the best performance at Arkansas's Pro Day yesterday? Um, well, Ryan Pulley did a lot for himself because his combine was not very good. He was in the bottom of the rankings in a lot of those testing categories. So he he did a lot for himself by dropping nine pounds and uh, shaving almost a couple seconds off of his 40. He had a 461 uh, or a second. Then he had a 461 at the combine, and then he dropped it down to about a 45 yesterday. So that makes a big difference. And he said that he's going to stay a corner despite what, Deion Sanders had to say about him when watching him going through a saying that he looked like a safety. Uh, 
Dre Greenlaw also had a good one. Froholt looked great in drills, uh, but we already knew that he was going to be high up on people's boards. So it was it was a pretty good day for the guys that we already knew were getting a lot of NFL interest. How'd last weekend go for you, Nikki? I know there were there were supposed to be over a hundred recruits on campus with family members. Turned out there there were about eighty, so I guess some of the some of the the ones that were expected to show up didn't show up, which probably is normal. Uh, and I know you said it was going to be kind of tough to keep track of everybody that was there, but when I look on uh, on your column, you kept track on just about everybody you could. How was uh, how was the weekend? Because uh, Chad Morris said he thought it would be right now the most important day uh, for the program, uh, considering how many were there, the talent that was also there, and what they got to see. Yeah, so starting off with some guys that couldn't make it, some of them canceled, you know, last minute. Uh, and then some of them were always kind of maybes that you put on the list. And keeping track of them was very difficult. Uh, luckily, a lot of these kids like to be transparent on social media about where they're at. So they would share that they were here, post pictures after their visit that they were here. Because I was out there on Saturday for the scrimmage. I was just trying to look around and see if the key guys I was looking for were there. But there were so many, it was tough to keep track of them all, plus pay attention to the scrimmage. Um, but I think it went really, really well. Sorry if you guys can hear my dogs in the background. They're, they're having playtime. Uh, but so the weekend went really well. And the first unofficial, this big unofficial day for all these elite guys, that's really just to bring them to campus. Like Chad Morris's call to his assistant coaches was bring these guys to campus because once they do, they see what campus is like. And then on the, on the official visits that start, uh, the weekend of the spring game, April 6th, uh, that's when you kind of start putting the pressure on. You get more one-on-one time with guys with so many prospects here, plus the, the scrimmage that they had. Um, it was just really tough for them to, you know, have those one-on-one conversations with parents and make them feel comfortable. It was more of a meet and greet, here's the campus. And it was a beautiful day, so Pretty much everyone that I talked to had a great time. Maybe the only complaint was that they didn't get enough one-on-one time with coaches. I guess it's tough to do if you got 80 kids and only so many coaches. Um, tell me exactly. about Jashoud just, just Stewart, if I'm saying his name correctly. He's the, uh, he's the third signee for Arkansas for 2020. He's a, a defensive end out of Jonesboro, and you guys have him listed as the third best uh, prospect in the state. So uh, tell us about Jashad Stewart, who's going to be a Razorback in 2020. I say Jashad. Uh, I, I kind of avoided saying his name to him. I should have just asked straight up. But I, I go, I call him Jashad. Um, he is a really, really good defensive end. He's really quick. I like that a lot. Uh, Arkansas has been going after lankier, longer defensive ends, and it's good to have those those quick guys that just kind of work around. Uh, big offensive linemen that are a bit slower. And he's also played at multiple positions on the field, so he could pop back at linebacker uh, if if that's how it goes. But right now he's being recruited mostly by Steve Caldwell, who is, of course, the defensive end coach. Uh, I, I like him a lot. Since he first picked up his Arkansas offer, it was his very first um, Power 5 offer. Uh, he had been saying, you know, we and all this kinds of dropping these hints that he was eventually going to call the Hogs. And it was good for the staff that he did because I think maybe a lot of fans don't really understand how long this recruiting process is and they were just expecting more from this weekend. So having at least one guy and an in-state guy, which always means a lot to people, uh, was a nice way to cap off that weekend. Nikki, let me top off the interview with this. You came on the show last week and said Ben Hicks is going to be the starter in 2019. I agree with you. I think it's going to be really hard for Starkle to come in during the summer somehow, some way in 14, 15 weeks, win that job. But I'm curious because Hicks has kind of played the mentor role with Nolan and the other quarterbacks. You got a chance to cover him in SFU. How do you think he's going to react towards Nick Starkle, his main competition, when he gets on campus? Well, he's very, very, very competitive guy, and he's a very confident guy, so I think he'll just uh, do what he's always done and focus on himself. Um, I probably wouldn't look to him to try to bring um, Starkle along too much. I'm sure he's more comfortable doing that with younger guys who he doesn't feel uh, he has as much competition with, 
but he's he's a friendly guy, uh, but he's very competitive. So he'll be doing everything he can to uh, win that starting job because he he wants to do the most with his one year here that he can. Uh, two word answer, Nikki. Before we let you go, who's more competitive? Quarterbacks battling for a job or recruiting analysts on different services? <laughs> oh, it's equal. We are equally cutthroat. Very well said. All right, Nikki, thanks so much. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Subscribe to Hit That Line on iTunes. You're listening to the Halftime Pod. Blood running through Daryl Macon's veins. The Razorbacks win it 71-70. to Get off my lawn. Did you hear me? I said get off my lawn now. Old man, my ass. Perhaps I could be of some assistance. You're on Facebook, huh? Well, I've been trying to figure it out. I joined about 10 minutes ago. Well, better late than never. Get off my lawn. You see over the weekend when LSU clinched the um, SEC regular season basketball championship that the fans gave Joe Oliva just the hardest time they possibly could at the PMAC. Uh, they were booing. They were shouting uh, pretty nasty things Epsonic, towards him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I mean, look, I know that they have their frustrations with Joe Oliva. And Barrett Salee pointed this out. You know, some of the things that that they that LSU fans have legitimate gripes about, you know, the way that he let Les Miles dangle um, and some of the stuff about Coach O. And, and maybe there's, I don't know, he was also the, the the athletic director at Duke when the whole thing went down with the lacrosse scandal. So, I mean, that's a whole other issue. But but there, there's no way that you can convince me that that this that this outcry of of hatred towards Oliva was all about the football team. It was strictly about suspending Will Wade who doesn't deserve if these allegations are true, and that is really his voice on the wiretap talking about, you know, paying more than the rookie minimum salary to get a player to campus, then that's what it's about. Adam, what did you expect Joe Oliva to do? He, he, at the top of his job, has to protect an athletic department that has the FBI coming down on it and the coach that is that has led them uh, to this this championship that nobody expected uh, and and built a program in two years that has come from the bottom of the barrel in the SEC to the top of the barrel. Uh, he's got to look for what's best for LSU as, as an athletic program and LSU as a school. So the fact that LSU fans might have other things to gripe about with Joe Oliva, to me, that this doesn't hold water right now for the idea that you're booing him because he suspended a coach that they love because they the basketball program is in a place that it hasn't been since Dale Brown was there, and 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 I it just it's a bad look for LSU fans. They give themselves bad looks at many times anyway. Uh, you know, with all the empty seats, that subtle were burn, pay. right? Subtle burn. But look, it this this is this is about. Trying to look. I mean, there are fans that had Will Wade for AD signs. Give me a break. I mean, that's that's the. You can say it's a joke or whatever, but I don't. I think you are you are jumping at you are barking at the wrong guy. Be angry at Will Wade for putting the program in that position for being dumb enough to speak like that on a telephone. Maybe he didn't know it was being wiretapped, but you know, you know, people are looking at you. You know, there's a spotlight on you. Uh, and and he's it, it's not worth. I don't think it was worth defending him. I don't think it was worth giving LSU what honestly looks like a black eye from fans when you are shouting obscenities at the athletic director. And it did. This wasn't going down before Will Wade's suspension. So that's what it's all about to me. Get off my lawn, LSU fans. I think we saw a little bit of a connection with Ohio State and Urban Meyer when the stuff came out about Zach Smith, and you had all these Ohio State fans picketing and saying, we want Urban back because, Phil, what does it come down to at the end of the day? It comes down to winning. To winning. It comes down to winning, and this dude won. Fans want to win. They don't, they, you know, they don't care the optics. They don't care about, you know, they say everybody else is doing it. What about Duke? What about Kentucky? What about North Carolina? What about Kansas? Forget about what about. What about LSU? That's what you should be worried about. Laws are laws. Uh, regulations from the NCAA are NCAA regulations. 
Worry about your school, and your coach has embarrassed the school in a, in a way that, that probably at the end of this is going to mean more than an SEC regular season championship, which, who knows, might have to be vacated because of use of, a, of an ineligible player. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see how all that plays out. You have the, the Sean Miller speech at the home arena where Arizona plays, and it kind of sounded ominous in a sense, where it's like, oh, this might be my last game, and then they asked him about it. The median, he didn't really touch on that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how this FBI probe shapes out uh, in accordance with college basketball. Phil, speaking of college basketball, Mick Cronin is one of the more entertaining coaches in college basketball. He's a, I like to call him just a little angry man. And this is his remarks after they lost to Houston at home. By the way, Houston has only two losses under Kelvin Sampson. He's been incredible for the Cougars this year. They're probably doing something, speaking of illegal, like Will Wade. Samson's probably getting away with something. But here's Mick Cronin on the loss and who he's going to make a phone call to after the game. It's like I said, I may call Coach Fickle. We'll see. I don't know if his guys, when they start spring ball, but uh, we'll have tryouts tomorrow, 3 o'clock, to see who gets on. I'm not being funny. 3 o'clock tomorrow, we'll have tryouts to see who gets to go to Memphis. See who gets to get on the plane to go to Memphis. See, the beauty of college is see you, get a, you, you can keep your scholarship. But if you're, you're going to get on the plane and represent the team that I coach, you're going to block out, and then you're going to go after the ball. That's not really rocket science. They need to be embarrassed, just like their coaches. Get your ass whipped, you should be embarrassed. Mick has had several instances with the media where he has just gone on a tirade, Phil. And listen, I get it. There's there's certain times you can be angry with your basketball team, but and joking. He just he want he doesn't want necessarily the reporters to get it off his lawn, but it, it seems like after the time, and Houston's like a really good basketball team, Phil. Like, even losing them by 16 at home, they've lost two games all year. I think it was just he's more pointing out the lack of effort that he thought his guys played with in that game. But Mick Cronin wanted uh, wanted his players to get off his lawn, Phil. They're 25-8. and eight. I know. They're a decent basketball team. So they've lost two in a row. As I, as I look at the schedule, they've lost to two top 25 teams in a row after a five-game winning streak. Uh, and look, they got blown out in both those ball games. No, no, one of those were close. A close loss at Central Florida, and then a bad one against Houston. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, it, it uh, it's it's uh, that's also kind of a bad look when you got a team that obviously has played hard enough to win twenty five games, and may get may have a look at an at large bid. I mean, they they got second place in the American Conference. So I don't know about Mick Crone. Maybe he just likes the look of being angry for the cameras. Yeah. So he and former. Xavier coach Chris Mack, that Xavier Cincinnati rivalry is like very heightened in college basketball. And they were both at the Nashville Regional last year that I got to attend. It was just funny because those are both just two angry coaches that I wouldn't want to cross. And Mack's six, six feet plus, intimidating guy. Cronin, though, is shorter than my dad, who's probably about five, six on a good day, but he's just as intimidating. You know how some people have that intimidating factor no matter their size or stature. Yeah, they got a little Napoleon complex. Exactly, exactly. Uh, he has that. He definitely has that. Little man syndrome. Yeah. I've, I've seen it. I've seen it in action a couple of times. Uh, I almost feel bad going with this guy because it's just so easy to go at James Dolan, the longtime owner of the New York Knicks, who was caught on camera in a little bit sensitive when a New York Knicks fan decided to give him a very sharp but very simple and clean idea of what to do with his team. Sell the team! Anything I can sell the team? You want to not come to any more games? Why? That's rude. It's an opinion. Uh, no, it's not an opinion. And you know what? Enjoy watching him on TV. Does that sound like somebody who's a little, who, I don't know, is he short? Is James Dolan, does he have the Napoleon complex going on too? He's probably, what, like 5'8"? So he's, I mean... Average male high in the U.S. I think is like five nine, five nine and a half. So maybe a little short. I don't know. So, so he just told that gentleman who said, "Sell the team." And this is way different than what happened with the the Utah Jazz fan with with Russell Westbrook yeah. yesterday, where there was talk, you know, maybe some racial epithets were thrown. Westbrook's Th- that wasn't the racial. Guy. I'm a Thunder fan, and that was not racial. That was more skewed to towards. I said something about be you know something about his knees, yeah. uh, where he's supposed to do something with his <laughs> knees, and then Westbrook's coming back at him about he's gonna you know threatening it, the guy and his wife and all that, and th- this this is a whole different thing because this is just a guy who's a paying customer who shouts to the owner, sell the team, 
And probably, what do you think about 80% of Knicks fans, if not 100% of Knicks fans, would be in agreement with him? He's the most hated owner of all of sports, not even close. Like They're 13 and 54, and they've lost. They've lost about 75% of their games over the last five years. I mean, it's an embarrassing It's franchise. New York, Phil. They haven't been relevant since, what, 99 when they lost the Spurs in the finals? Right. It's I mean, new. Yeah. How can you be irrelevant in New York? I know Jets fans, John knows about that, but <laughs> come on, man. Absolutely. And, and then to tell the guy that that's just, that that's not an opinion when exactly that's, a, that's what he's telling him. He's giving him his opinion. He didn't just threaten to ban the guy from Madison Square Garden for Knicks games. He had security detain him. That's so Think funny. about that for a moment. You, I mean, Let's see, what, do you think Joe Oliva might have been able to get away with that at the PMAC with some of the stuff that was coming down from the rafters? Not, it's, Not it with those great. drunk LSU fans. <laughs> Who knows? That's exactly right. But, I mean, he actually had security detain the gentleman, and he may or may not have banned him from Madison Square Garden. I mean, they did ban Charles Oakley from Madison Square Garden. That was the, an incident and a half. Oh my one goodness. of the all-time great Knicks. And, I mean, that's a guy that I wouldn't. I wouldn't threaten in any certain nope. circumstance whatsoever. His size and his nasty streak as a player. Just, Dolan just seems to be somebody that doesn't even shouldn't even have a lawn, much less get off my lawn. Second one for me, sticking with the NBA, Draymond Green got under Steve Kerr's skin the other night. They're playing the Suns, and you can clearly hear, not hear, you can clearly see Steve Kerr mouth on TV. I'm so bleeping tired of Draymond's bleep. They end up losing to the Suns 115-111 at home. You have the possibility of Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson leaving after this season. Phil, all good dynasties come to an end. And Golden State has been incredible these last few years. Only one finals loss in the last four years. Three of the last four they've won. They've been incredible. But all dynasties come to an end. And I think that Steve Kerr wants Draymond Green to get off his lawn. I thought I heard Levitard talking about one of the guys in his show thought that Kerr was, was talking about how <laughs> sick he was about hearing Dream On by Aerosmith. Yeah. <laughs> They're just trying, like, it's the, what's the, I don't, I don't think Kimmel does it. It's the bad lip reading. Maybe it's a, a TMZ thing, but it's really funny when they cop video of NFL players and they just put words in their mouth and it somehow, some way sinks out. But it's definitely, like, it's a joke and it fits, but we know that's definitely not what they're actually saying. So my last one is uh, is your boy, Tim Tebow, has been told by the Mets to get off the big league lawn for the time being. Uh, they've cut him from the major league roster, the Grapefruit League, after he played in eight games with the Mets big league team. He went four for 15 with three strikeouts. That's actually more less strikeouts than I thought. Remember, I thought he'd have more strikeouts than hits. Uh, so he goes to AAA for the rest of camp, and that's where he'll probably open the season. Uh, but he can still be called up for big league grapefruit games. So Tim Tebow is off the big league lawn, but I'm actually going to put him on my lawn for the rest of the season now, uh, Ty. I've decided, maybe against my better nature or my usual nature, to root for Tim Tebow this baseball season. There we go. And I'll tell you why. It's not because of you. Uh, It's it's because he, he he has this perspective that I can appreciate. I think he appreciates the chance that he's been given because, honestly, he, he wasn't going to be playing professional baseball if he wasn't the Tim Tebow. But remember what he said a couple of weeks ago, and you played the quote, uh, and, and I forget exactly the word-for-word things that he was talking about, but you know, he, he's talking about maybe being a, you know, a role model for somebody else to try something that you love, and if you succeed in it, that's great. If you don't, you gave it your best shot. And, and sound bites like this make me root for somebody. You happy so far with your process? I'm um, getting better every day, getting more and more comfortable, So, and also really enjoying it at the same time. And how about the opportunity to play in the major league games as opposed to staying around the minor league? So what was that mean to you? Yeah, it's an awesome opportunity, and um, I'm trying to make the most of it as far as a uh, learning opportunity. Learn from as many of the guys, as many of the coaches as possible, and um, try to absorb as much knowledge as possible. I love that he said that it's a lot of fun. You can tell that in his voice. I think he does appreciate this chance. I don't. I still don't think he will, that he'll have success when he does get called up to the majors. I think he'll get called up at some point, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to take an injury to the Mets outfield because 
Ioannis uh, Suspedis is back, and Suspedis has had the heel issue the last year. Michael Conforto uh, is one of the better outfielders for the Mets. Keon Broxton, Juan Laguerre, Brandon Nimmo. So I think you know, one of them goes down. Uh, I think Tebow might get, a, get get an opportunity, but I, I still I don't see the uh, I don't see success for him uh, as a as a major league baseball player. But you know who offered to help him? Who help, offered to help him hit? And a guy that had not quite the same body type, but was also very muscular. Uh, you know, Tebow is, is still kind of yoked in a football sense, and that's one of the reasons why I think he, he doesn't look like a ball player. The way he swings, he just looks a little bulked up. But Jose Canseco offered to help him on Twitter, aside from, you know, letting J-Lo know about all of A-Rod's uh, uh, women that he's cheating on her with, uh, aside of offering to go hunt for Bigfoot and hunt for aliens with whomever wants to, he's offered to, to teach Tim Tebow how to hit with those giant arms. So I don't know why Tebow would say no thank you. I mean, to me, I mean, Canseco seems like he's got all his marbles and would be able to teach him how to hit without any chemical problems. Based on what you just said, you're exactly right. All right, my last one for get off my lawn. Conor McGregor arrested once again. This is in Miami, outside of Miami Hotel. He was charged with felony strong arm robbery and criminal mischief, according to the Miami Beach Police. Basically what happened is a fan tried to take a photo with him. It's late. It's 5 o'clock in the morning. Connor slapped it away, stomped on it, and then he took it. And then that ended up happening. So Connor McGregor wanted that fan at 5 o'clock in the morning to get off his lawn. Good good things never happen after 4 a.m. Was it 4? The truth is nothing good happens after about 1 a.m. Some people have said midnight. I'd go after 1 a.m. and then that's about it. I, always, my, I think my dad told me, when I went to college, nothing get out happens after 2 a.m. And I told him, well, you've obviously never been to Los Bobos. So that's I, that's my I, retort for that. I would say after 11 p.m., nothing good happens with Conor McGregor. So stay as far away from that gentleman as you possibly can. I mean, surely you and I have some good memories after 2 o'clock in the morning, right, that we can share openly on the airwaves. you got to remember them first, and yeah. then you can and then share them openly on the airwaves. I've got, got a couple of them that don't necessarily involve late baseball games. Like the Halftime Pod? Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast at hitthatline.com.